Hello and welcome to episode seven of Nobody Puts Podcast in a Corner. Nobody puts podcast in a corner. So this week, um, against what the schedule was meant to say, I apologize. We will not be doing the Tarantino episode. I know I've been promising it now, I think as early as the second week, um, but just due to continuous scheduling conflicts, we've not been able to pull it off. So I'm not going to promise you the Tarantino episode. It will just appear when it's ready and it will be hopefully a pleasant surprise. So again, apologies about that. Instead, we've had a rework of our uh, upcoming episodes. We only have a few left before we wrap up what we would call our first season. Uh, and today I am filming, filming? I'm not filming, I'm recording. Um, it'd be nice if I was filming, but uh, recording uh, the the Screen Idols episode with Susie. Hello, Susie. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's Friday, it's good. Good, it's Black Friday. <laughs> Yes, yes. So we could spend all our money online. I already have, so I have no money left to spend. So, <laughs> but, yeah, that, <laughs> I hope it's Christmas is... presents. Yes, of course, of course. Of course. Um, so, okay, so you're joining today to uh, to obviously, you know, discuss with me uh, screen idols. Obviously, um, I think it's important to let the the audience know that you're not just Susie, you're also my mum. Um, so that we have a slight generational difference on our views with, with, with idols, which is important, I think, and it will add a nice uh, layer to, to this podcast. Um, and... But obviously, at the same time, I suppose, you know, a lot of my influences came from you growing up. Um, I even mentioned it uh, in, in last week's episode with the Disney films. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my influence from Disney films came from you. So, you know, it's quite then poignant to follow it up with, with uh, an episode discussing, you know, the stars that kind of influence that as well. Um, so... Yeah, that 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 kind of that kind of is where we will begin. However, before we do, I'll do my usual of if you're listening and you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at nobody puts podcast in the corner or on Twitter, which I'm finally starting to get the hang of, uh, and that is at uh, podcast in corner. There we go. I remembered it that time. Um, so yes, please do follow us. Actually, you need to follow us. I followed you. You need to you need to follow us back. Do you use Twitter anymore? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember the last time that I went onto Twitter and I didn't even realise that I still had an account. So perhaps I need to revisit it. Maybe you do, even if it's just to follow me back. So Absolutely, yes, yes. So. There's got to be a reason to use Twitter. Commenting on things like Strictly and um, Celebrity in the Jungle is really not my scene. So, uh, yeah, I need to use it for a proper reason. So following you is that proper reason. I will accept that. I will accept that. Okay, so Screen Idols. Um, I, where to begin? Let's mm-hmm. begin at the beginning. Um, yeah. So from from when you were younger and you first started watching films, you know, what was your impression of, of I guess, actors and screen idols and that kind of classic era of Hollywood and and whatnot where where does it all begin with you well it's it's funny really because I was thinking about this the other day and um, back in the day when um, vinyls or as we called them records 
uh, was your own real mean of, of getting access to soundtracks. I actually got into films through music, I think. Um, I didn't really go to the cinema very much when I was very young, unlike I know I used to take you when you were quite little. Mm. Um, but my first film was actually Star Wars. Um, ah. That was the, the first film that I went to see, um, which completely just blew my mind as as an eight-year-old. I was taken to Leicester Square um, by my big brother, who spoiled me rotten, and um, and I absolutely adored it. And then after that, I, I think it was The Rescuers, nice. um, which I loved. Um, and although Disney films were about and occasionally were shown on the television, they were the very old ones because back in the day we only had three channels and it was only really Easter and Christmas that you got to see anything different. And so I would say that the two films that really stood out for me when I was very young, um, one was uh, The Wizard of Oz, which I know isn't Disney, but, you know, obviously um, you've been down that road because you went down that road last week with Disney. Indeed. Um, and uh, the second one was The Sound of Music, <laughs> which I know isn't one of your favourite films. Well, neither, neither of them. Both of those films that you just listed are two of my least favourite films of all time, but each their own. <laughs> yes, exactly. But what it did do um, was introduce me to Judy Garland and also, um, obviously, any back films at that stage as well that I sort of started to look into. They, they also used to pop up at Christmas, like Little Women and, and films like that. And um, the other sort of screen idol um, at the time would, would have been Julie Andrews. And, of course, mm. we had Mary Poppins as well doing the rounds. Um, so bearing in mind that this really was just on television, no downloads, no you know, sort of kind of uh, Sky television or Netflix, nothing like that. It was really just, just sitting and waiting. And it was a real... It was actually a real event that when these bank holidays came along every year, you'd be really excited to see what films were going to be shown uh, because the chances are they were films that were quite iconic. And, um, yeah, people used to sort of go, oh, not again. Another one was The King and I, which... Okay, um, I, do, I, do, I do really like that film. Yeah. I think it's very good. Yeah, And, and again, Yul Brynner, another yeah. screen idol with, who I admired a lot and the funny thing was I actually knew of him through the westerns because my dad was a big western fan mm. and uh, so anytime there was a western on the television we got to see that and obviously he was in quite a few of those well that's so, the thing I, I knew I knew of him as well for westerns before I'd seen the king and I for the first time for the very same reasons I obviously as you know you know was very fond of westerns growing up so it um it, it, it that I, I was aware of him from from them mainly because he was always sounds awful he was always the 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 the, the guy with the shiny forehead or the the shiny head full stop um and then I recognised him in The King and I when I whenever I saw that for the first time. So yeah, no, I, I knew of him. I think I knew of him before I knew of most, probably most of the screen idols we're probably going to discuss today. Um, mm. So yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree with everything so, you just said. Yeah, that, that's where it kind of all began for me on the television back in the seventies, and then as I started to go to the cinema, um, it's sort of going into the eighties where I could actually go 
um, sort of mid eighties, go on my own, if you know what I mean, mm. uh, with my friends, then a lot of the franchises started to kick in. And obviously I mentioned Star Wars already. And then you've got Back to the Future. And slowly um, film actors and actresses started to play more of a part in in my life than they had previously because it was all about music really in the 70s and 80s you know you admired um artists that you know were in groups or solo singers and films were just there you know you didn't it's not like it is now and um and a lot of the screen idols um I know you've mentioned it previously in in, in some of your other podcasts, they were back in the sort of kind of 60s and 50s. Mm. And so the films that were coming round that you would enjoy to watch again on television would be films with Rock Hudson, Doris Day, um, James Garner, you know, um, those types of films, which were great to watch. Um, But those were the types of people. And I suppose, you know, you can also mention the real idols like Marilyn Monroe and and um your favorite um which one Audrey Audrey Audrey. (laughs) yeah yeah I was about to say Catherine Hepburn I thought no 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 wrong Um, Hepburn wrong Hepburn so so that was the kind of state of of certainly my growing up that um and I when I started to really start go to the cinema a lot of these new actors started coming through actors that we would now see as screen idols, for example, Tom Cruise. Um, and you've got, obviously, all the different franchise films that introduced people that we are just in our normal day sort of language, really, if you, if you get yeah. what I mean. So Absolutely. That, that was my introduction. And like you said earlier on, it influenced me to then influence you. And, yeah, and, exactly. And and make your choices and and also as I also mentioned um the soundtracks were quite important to me as well so um, I would often see a film if I enjoyed the music that would encourage me to purchase the music but it would also mean that I would look forward to the next film and I would start to actually do a little bit of a research into the composers, the modern composers of the music, and start to follow them, um, not on Twitter, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> that would have been impressive. <laughs> that would have been a um, bit of time travel there. Um, but start to follow their careers and look into yeah. what other um, soundtracks, um, like Ennio, oh, I can never say his full name, Ennio... Oh, a man, man, is it? Um, um, Not, yeah, he, yeah. Um, oh, how embarrassing! But um, Henry Mancini is another one. You've got yeah. John Bar- John Barry, which you'll know. Ennio 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 Morricone. Thank you um, very much. The Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. He, well, yeah, I, yeah. I see. I know he did a lot of Western related stuff, but he also um, did he did a lot of Tarantino's uh, stuff in his later years, which is where I really started to know him from. So. Yeah, um, I can never say but, his name because I tried to sort of say it with a really bad Italian accent, which doesn't <laughs> sound too well. Yeah. But yes, I mean he he was he was composing a lot of like you say the westerns and the more hard hitting films, and then you had the likes of John Barry, let's say doing things like um, sort of you know the James Bond ones, and yeah. then you were introduced to John Williams. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wars. So, again, you know, that was another um, avenue where I followed people that were um, working within the film, not just on the screen. Absolutely. It's funny you should be talking about composers because that's actually next week's episode, um, soundtracks. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. It's a nice little tee up for next week's one. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, next week's episode will be discussing all the all the variety of soundtracks across, you know, the years because that's the thing. I think I think film themes. Um, your Star Wars is your Back to the Future, your Jaws, basically anything John Williams has ever done. It, it, it's what is arguably the most or one of the most iconic elements of the film sometimes more so than its actors uh so it's an important thing to discuss and and i felt it was worthy of its own podcast so hence why that's what we're doing next week so yeah it'll be it'll be be a good one to do so okay nice 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 you know a bit of backstory there to to obviously your, your interpretation of it and you know what i have to say one point I really want to tap into is you you talking about um, bank holiday films and Christmas films and or you know like the seasonal films and the excitement that you would go oh what's on on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or or whatever I remember that you know and I feel like I feel like that's something that's really faded out in the past maybe five six seven years I think since the things like Netflix and streaming sites or streaming services you know Amazon. Um, and, and God knows what else now have come along. I feel like that charm of 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 seasonal bank holiday or whatever Christmas films or what film's going to be on on New Year's Day has kind of gone a little bit because yeah. nine times out of ten you've already watched it on a on a different uh, service or channel, um, and and it, it's having a big impact on those things. But I, I remember, you know, I used to love it when I remember when I was a kid. You know, even right up until my teenage years, uh, you know, Christmas Eve or the lead up to Christmas, ITV was always playing like the Pierce Brosnan Bond films, had nothing to do with Christmas, but it was just an excuse to play them. I loved it. Um, and then obviously, you know, you had you had your animations and you usually had like a big blockbuster, like, you know, like a big superhero film or something on on Christmas Day or Boxing Day or whatever. And and it was always exciting. It was always fun to see what it is that's going to be out there. But but uh, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because it is a shame, I guess, but it's just a way of society evolving. It doesn't really exist so much anymore. But yeah. We have more films at our fingertips now more than ever, which I personally am not going to complain about. So, um, no, no, I think I think it is just like you say, it's the it's the event, it's part, it's it's like having turkey, it's like having crackers around your dinner table, and that's not just the relatives. Um, it's that you know having that that those, those kind of um, traditions and the things that you look forward to. And I think that epitomises a lot of people's Christmases, and it is a shame. I hope, I hope that, especially this particular Christmas, that maybe people are going to look back on some of those traditions and, and bring them in again, and all sit around the television and and watch a good film and eat lots of quality street. Um, yeah, I think I think I think you're right there. I think there'll be a lot. I think people will experience a more, and I say this in inverted commas, traditional Christmas this year. I think you know, with the fact that we're we're allowed to obviously have a couple of uh, household mixings and whatnot. You know, we, we're we're picking our nearest and dearest, and 
and simply spending Christmas with them. And we're not going to be going out. We're not allowed to go out. You know, we're only allowed to do it privately. So we're going to be not forced, but encouraged to, you know, see what's on the TV, watch the Queen's speech, um, you know, do all those things that, that, that we've done that maybe for the past few years we've not really thought much about or taken for granted because we've had so many other options or so many different ways of doing Christmas. So it will be curious to see. I might actually make a point of seeing what films are on Christmas, oh, on TV, sorry, this Christmas. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And it kind of all links back nicely to, to you know, discussing, you know, these, these stars then that you associate mm. with uh, with Christmas, I think always one of the ones that from a, from a very classic icon point of view, I always think of James Stewart at Christmas, obviously because of it's a wonderful life. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the infamous story behind, um, it's a wonderful life, which, which I've actually told a few people recently and they've gone, no, I didn't know that. That's, that's, you know, quite interesting. And I will share with, with, with people listening to this, if you're interested, is the, the story that, um, it's a wonderful life obviously was made in whatever year it was made in. I don't actually know off the top of my head. So apologies for that, but, um, it was made and the production company that made it, you know, it didn't necessarily intend on it being a Christmas film. Um, and, uh, then, um, it came out and the production company went bust. And as a result, the f- it lost all the licensing behind the film. So, it's one of those things where no one owned it and all the television um, channels or the, you know, whatever could play it license free whenever they wanted. And obviously because it is set around Christmas, you know, um, even though it wasn't intended as a Christmas film, which I find bizarre, but whatever, um, it was played all the time at Christmas off the loop on the channels. And just as, as the decades went on, and I say decades because since I said I didn't know what year it was, I've just checked and it was 46, uh, which is actually, I thought it was in the 50s, so it was even earlier than that. Um, you know, with with um, the decades going on, you know, people associated it with being, uh, I, I think as in particular in America, uh, an American Christmas film you know uh, a good get together and sit down around around the sofa and around the tv and watch it and then as a result it evolved into that but actually before the i think it was before the director died he made a point it made a point it was either the director or the producer one of them made a point of saying this was never intended to be a christmas film the Mm. way that it has now been perceived is not the way I intended it. And the only reason it it turned into that was because all the channels played it off the loop because it was free, you know. And and as a result, therefore, garnished its own, I suppose, reputation of being a classic Christmas film. So it, it's, you know, it, it's always interesting when, it, when it's got a bit of a story behind it as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think of, I think of, you know, classic films, I think of, you know, things like that. I think of, like you said earlier on, Marilyn Monroe, not that I'm her biggest fan, admittedly, but, you know, uh, there are a couple of films where she really showed what she was made of as an actor, which I I have to say, you know, whether I like her or not, she did know what she was doing. Um, Mm. 
Humphrey Bogart, you know, uh, Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn, Marlon Brando, Lauren Bacall, yeah, Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Taylor, uh, Vivian Lee, Ingrid Bergman, you know, it's just so many. Um, Mm -hmm. You just go, yeah, you know, obviously you mentioned Judy Garland earlier on. Um, I guess you've got Joan Crawford as well. Uh, You just, you just, and then you go back to westerns and you think of john wayne and you know mm-hmm. uh charlie chaplin spencer tracy like clark gable henry fonda the list just doesn't stop and 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 you know there'll be people listening to this podcast will be going i don't know half the people you just said and and i unfortunately think we're, we're now going into the you know I worry that in 25, 30 years' time, a lot of these names will be lost on most of, you know, that society because I I, I wish that, that um, I, I don't know, I guess I wish that these streaming services and Sky and whatever were doing more to to actually put these these stars and their their actual incredible films under our noses. Um, you know, one of... One of my, I, I talk about it all the time, but one of my favourites, it's not quite as old as some of the films that we, maybe we would discuss, but one of the, um, one of my favourites uh, is a film called Charade with Cary Grant and uh, Audrey Hepburn. And it, it was, it was done as if it was an Alfred Hitchcock thriller. It wasn't directed by Hitchcock, but it may as well have been. And it was, I think it's a massively underrated film that not a lot of people have heard of. But if you are, interested you know and and you want to watch a really good murder mystery james bond-esque thriller then charade is probably one of the best ones i've ever seen and that's i'm saying that today the back end of 2020 you know and yet this came out in 1963 and it still is one of the greatest thrillers i've ever seen um so i think i think there are so many wonderful classic films out there and yet unfortunately and uh, this is not obviously against what you said at all, but a lot of the time when you talk to people about classic films, you always get, oh, yeah, I like Wizard of Oz. Mm. <laughs> and no, I, just, yeah. uh, I, I think, I think there's, so, there's so much more than just The Wizard of Oz. Oh. However, I will give The Wizard of Oz its due. It is, to be fair, one of the most ultimate classic films because it predates anything we've discussed so far. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, in that respect, fair play to it. But, and yeah. And the first film to use Technicolor. It was, it was, um, you know, and, and I, I look, you know, Judy Garland's uh, an interesting one to discuss, um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure what I ever, I, I'm not sure what my opinion of her is, but, you know, she's certainly iconic, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I think, mean, yeah, sorry. No, it's all right. Go, <laughs> no, no, go on, say, say what you're going to say. I, no, I was going to say that I think that it's interesting that we discuss actors and actresses as uh, screen idols and icons um whichever term you you want to use and you and you don't tend to think of them in certain films because they have become uh their their image is you know engraved on our our minds Mm. and when we when we think of certain people some of those names the moment you mentioned those names immediately would pop up um, an image of them in a film and it would be an iconic film and I do wonder if perhaps we have lost some of that where um, you find that the idols and icons now of film uh, you have to question which one is carrying which so is the film carrying 
the actor or actress or is the actor or actress carrying the film? And do people go and watch them because of the people in it or do they go and watch it because of the director or because the story sounds good? You know, I think the reasons for people watching films now, whether it be at the cinema when you can go um, or streaming them, their reasons for choosing these films are probably completely different to the reasons why people went to the cinema back in the 50s, 60s and possibly even 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, for me personally, I will base a lot of my film watching decisions on who's in it now. Um, I'm very, very led by actors um, and I'm... Uh, yeah, I will watch. I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, two films that I've watched recently that I've never seen before. One's a slightly older one and one's a newer one. So I watched The Devil's Advocate recently. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, uh, yeah, so obviously Al Pacino, Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron. Uh, I don't know why I've never seen this film. Um, I, I just guess it was never, never, never there at the right time, you know. And again, this is one of the advantages of, you know, things like Sky now is that I can sit there one evening and go, oh, I don't know what to do. I know I'm going to watch a film. What's 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 Sky suggesting for me? And this was the top suggested film. And obviously, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I, I worship the ground Keanu Reeves walks on. Um, but but also, I am a very big fan of Al Pacino. You know, he is a very um he, yeah he's he you know he he is in his own right a very iconic actor and and to my shame i actually recently uh, only a week before this uh, devil's advocate watched scarface for the very first time um and i thought it was fantastic i thought it, i i i get what all the when people talk about how what a good film scarface is i now understand what they meant and again i don't understand how i hadn't watched it yet um and people say that to me a lot when i say oh, i watched this film for the first time and they go oh that's that surprises me I'm, I'm surprised you hadn't seen it yet and my, my my response back is always there are millions of films out there and i've probably seen a lot of films that you haven't so and you've probably seen mm-hmm. a lot of films that i haven't and that's just because there are so many so um yeah. but but yeah i mean Al Pacino, Devil's Advocate, has to be one of the single greatest performances I've ever seen. Uh, and and I don't know why. I think it just I thought it was electric. I thought it mm. was I thought it was very, very having just seen him do Scarface and watched him, you know, in in um Godfather and and all the other various different films he's done, even right up until recently, you know, obviously The Irishman, um, a film that I keep rewatching over and over again at the minute because it's on Sky all the time, is uh, Ocean's 13. He plays the villain in that. He's very good in that. He's just a very diverse actor, and I happen to also share a birthday with him. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I know. Um, but um, I, 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 I really, this role really really jumped out at me anyway um i uh the the film i just thought was incredible and i thought why why have i not seen this before but regardless i've now you know watched it and the reason i watched it was because of the actors you know shalise theron big fan of keanu reeves big fan of al pacino big fan of didn't disappoint but the film could have been absolutely awful but it doesn't matter. I was willing to give it a go based on its actors. Again, last night I watched a new film called um, Richard Jewell. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was a uh, no. Um, so it was a biographical film of a guy called Richard Jewell who was a security guard at the 1996 Olympics, and he found a bomb. And um, 
basically saved a load of lives by by you know doing his job and uh, then as a result the FBI um, decided to make him the main target and the main suspect of the of the investigation and made his life a living hell they never actually charged him but the media jumped on it and because of some you know uh, a very um, unprofessional journalist and the FBI not giving a shit basically um, they they made this poor lad's life a, a, an absolute hell um and that that was where that stemmed from but anyway the film was directed by um clint eastwood and that was enough to kind of pique my interest um and it has a few famous faces in it um i think john ham's in it um sam rockwell who i'm a very big fan of kathy bates um and and a few others you know notable mentions who i I haven't but it was a very solid film and I really enjoyed it and I learned something from it. And that was one of those moments where I sat there and thought, this is a, this is a, for, for all intents and purposes, a true story that I'd never heard of. And it was fascinating. And it, I think it was, you know, that's the thing that I, I sit there and I think films are always teaching us things. Um, but ultimately to go back to the point that I was making and, and based off the point you made is that it's the stars that get me to watch now. I, I've probably overlooked so many good films. Like people find it a travesty that I've never watched the Rocky films. And you know what? It's because I'm shallow and because I only want to watch it for the stars and it's nothing against Sylvester Stallone, but I'm just not a big enough follower of his work to want to sit down and go, I'm going to watch these films. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I am, I'm happy to admit that it's, it's the actors that will get me, get me watching and that is why i ended up watching charade for the first time all those years ago because i was a big fan of carrie grant i'm a very very big fan of audrey hepburn i realized the pair of them were in a film together and went well i've got to watch this no matter what and it didn't disappoint but there have been many times where i've watched films with with actors in and i've gone oh my goodness this this film is this is just not worth watching and i've switched it off after 15 minutes so to go back to what you were saying, I, it's a good point that you make. Does the film carry the stars, or does the stars carry the film? I think it. I think sometimes it just depends, doesn't it? You know, it depends on the yeah on I the person. It, I think it's also unfortunately about money. Certainly these days, anyway, that uh, you know, a director and um, a screenwriter and who else, whoever else is involved at the beginning and the conception of an idea will look at the probably look at the story and they've already got an actor or actress in mind and it's all the better if that actor and actress commands quite a following they'd also command quite a salary but they probably are are, are sort of like willing to risk that to have a really famous person heading the cast and I think sometimes that people will overlook a good or a bad story because of the person that's in it or people that are in it and I think a good example you mentioned Sylvester Stallone going back in the 80s he was in two quite big franchises Rambo and Rocky and I I remember watching them as a as a young person and I was just like these are so good um and yet now I won't watch them because Mm. I just think they're they they've not um they, they've not really survived time, shall we say. You know, there are some films that you can look and they're timeless and you can watch them and it doesn't matter whether they were made in the 50s, 60s, 70s or last week, you will watch them and you'll enjoy them. And there are some films that 
in their moment were absolutely amazing. But now you look back and think, my goodness me, did I really spend money to go and watch these films? Yeah, um, yeah. And and again, you know, that goes down to the story and it wouldn't matter who was in it, unless, of course, you were a massive Sylvester Stallone fan. And that's just an example, because there are people out there who probably would. And it's the same with some of our modern day actors and actresses. You know, they haven't all made good films. But because you might be a fan of Julia Roberts or Mel Gibson or Russell Crowe or Tom <laughs> all Hanks. All of the above. All of the above. Tom Hanks. I mean, they all. Ah, you, are, lost, you lost me there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they, they've, all, they've all made amazing films, but there's also some real duds oh, in, amongst, yeah. in amongst their careers. And you'll watch them and you just think, oh, I'm not sure that, you know, I really want to watch this. I mean, the one of the one of the films that stands out for me uh, is Aaron Brockovich. Now, I am a fan of Julia Roberts um, in the same way that I'm a fan of Sandra Bullock. You know, they're both really, I believe, really good actresses. However, and I think we've mentioned this before, they act as Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock. Absolutely. And and that's the other thing that I think stands out with maybe today's actors and actresses, not all of them, because there are some amazing character, I think you call them character actors or, you know, people that will <laughs> yeah, throw char- Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and, you know, Keanu Reeves could be put in that category. You mentioned him already. Um, but there are mm, the majority of Hollywood actors now tend to just be themselves and are employed to just act themselves in films which is why I think that you know sort of the directors and uh cast what are they called people that find the cast you should you C- know casting, casting directors oh they're called <laughs> casting directors oh well yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> just just overcomplicate it for myself yeah um casting directors they have this person in mind because the character that has been written is essentially that person yeah a lot of the time now they're right the writers are writing uh characters with the actors in mind to play them um and unless you're talking about a mass fantasy film or where it involves them wearing layers of alien makeup or something you know ultimately they're just you're right they're just going to play the role as themselves um, I, I can think of one person who does it straight away, and, and I by no means dislike this actor. I'm actually a very big fan of him, but uh, Dwayne Johnson. You know, Dwayne Johnson is probably, I think, currently the highest paid star in Hollywood, full stop. And yet every time he's in a film, he's just being Dwayne Johnson. But he has he has he has an appeal about him. People want to watch him in films. It might be because he's willing to throw himself into the role. You know, give him his due. He's not afraid to do some good stunts. He's not afraid afraid to throw himself around a little bit. But ultimately, he's just playing Dwayne Johnson. You know, mm. and 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 again, that's not me saying he can't act because he actually surprisingly for an ex wrestler can uh, you know act very well. I think, but he always plays the same kind of role. And for some reason that is appealing to people, myself included. So it is, you're right. It's, 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 it's this star power. 
Um, it's it's like let's put as many famous faces in the film as possible, um, and uh, and 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 or, or get one or two, you know, and yeah, the audience will watch it regardless of that. That's where it's going to make its money. You know, I think I think a good example um, is <laughs> it's a good example as much as it is a bad example is the Star Wars prequels. Mm. Now, Star Wars prequels have Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, um, Samuel L. Jackson, Christopher Lee. You know, like, I could keep reeling off names, you know, like names that we, you know, know these actors from, from so many other things. Um, oh, I didn't mention Hayden Christensen. That's terrible. Um, but let's be honest, he we, we only really know him from that. Um, but it's one of those things where unfortunately and this is coming from you know massive star wars fan they're good actors and they've got good star power behind them but in 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 like going back to what you were saying earlier on does the stars carry the film or the film carry the stars i'm afraid to say the stars carried those films because they were not very well written (laughs) their dialogue was was piss poor to put it politely and <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't really a lot going for them um other than the fact that they were star wars they had some pretty cool visuals some decent fight scenes but any film can have that um you know but Ewan mcgregor even at the time was still he was a rising star but he was still popular you know liam neeson the same then all right then they're bigger actors today natalie portman as well you know but but the point is is that these these actors you know at the time for me being in my early teenage years going oh my god i, I want to watch these films you know for these actors because i love them because i actually only know them from star wars but that doesn't change anything i still want to watch them um they i look back on it today and go my god what were they doing like you know that, there's that, that's you could say that the people who wrote Star Wars, although the writing wasn't great, they were very clever to do that because that was probably the only way. Because the, th- the first three Star Wars films, and I'm talking in the our, original trilogy, our time, not their time, um, were were so iconic and still are incredibly iconic. And if they're on the television, I will watch them, all three, but I will not watch the next three. I'll avoid them. And Aww. I know. But it is just because, you know, my, my I was growing up when the first three came out, went to the cinema and saw them on numerous occasions, even saw all three in one go at one point. Um, so absolutely love them and continue to love them. And I think to be able to then bring that franchise back several years later, the only way that they were going to eclipse it and the success of what the first three were able to do was to bring in named actors and to bring in people that they, you know, would, would people would actually go to the cinema and watch. Because and- they didn't really have that with the original three, did they? I mean, you had Alec Guinness, Alec for like, Guinness. Yeah. And, and Peter Cushing to a degree, you know, mm. but, but otherwise no one really knew of anybody else in the films, no. did they? But I think if you look at both of those said actors – Strangely enough, they were probably going through a little bit of a dip in their acting careers anyway. They weren't they weren't headliners, you know, Peter Cushing and, and Alec Guinness were probably dare I say this, B film actors at that stage in their acting careers. Yeah. They they they'd peaked in the sixties with the, you know, Dracula films and the Westerns and the, the thrillers that they were in. And I think that for two and again, I say this lightly because I'm probably the age that they were then. 
ageing actors, um, they're probably really grateful for the work um, and also to get their face in into a, you know, what, what I suppose I didn't know at the time, but what would become an amazing franchise. But they, everybody else were unknowns. I mean, you know, Harrison Ford had been in American Graffiti, I think, before then. Um, but certainly, I mean, Carrie Fisher, no, she, you know. No, the only reason Carrie Fisher was known was because of her mum, you know, exa- I think, exactly, to be fair. Exactly. So I think that um, they had to have a draw and they had to have something that would, you know, draw people into the audience in to watch the next three. And that was the only way they could they could really do it. Um, I feel anyway certainly from a point of having seen the three as a child now you of course would have seen the three those those would probably epitomize your childhood the next three because they came out around when you was little well yeah literally nine 12 and 15 you know like the very very you know, and don't get me wrong at the time i thought they were some of the greatest things i'd ever seen because you do when you're into star wars and they you have three new films come out when you're a kid but but it's fair to say looking back on it now as a 29 year old it's fair to say they are not the greatest of films that being said i do appreciate them now more in a different way you know you look back at certain this applies to all films you watch them at a certain point sometimes you think they're amazing and then you kind of realize that maybe they're not that good and then you appreciate them it's like a fine wine almost they 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 grow fond with you with age um And you have the opposite with other films. There are films that I have watched many times where I've gone, this film sucks and I will never watch this again. And then for whatever reason have have watched it five, six, seven years later and gone, this is a really good film. Like, why did I think this was was so crap beforehand? So I think a lot of it comes down to sometimes your your perception of what what you class as a good or a bad film changes as you as you grow and and i think you know it's fair to say the star wars films are a nice example of that mm. yeah i and i also think as well is that sort of moving on to the more recent films they've mm. interestingly gone back to using relatively well, unknowns again but ironically relying on the star power of the nostalgic characters like the original three who when they first came into it were nobodies it's it's strange isn't it you know you've gone full circle with it exactly. um but yeah no it's i think i think you know i think oscar isaac out of the new three you had john boyega daisy ridley oscar isaac i think oscar isaac was the only one that i'd properly heard of um because he's been you know he's been doing films for quite a few years now um and I have to say, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley, I hadn't really heard of at all, I don't think, at the time. So, yeah, you're right. They've gone back to using, you know, more unknown characters, but they relied on, especially in particular with The Force Awakens. I mean, that's certainly the one that, you know, really did it for me. Knowing that Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher were all going to be back in a Star Wars film, that was it. That was the selling point for me. Mm. like no no other no other than the fact that star wars was coming back and i was gonna get to go to the cinema again and see it after i thought it had all ended that was one appeal but the other appeal was was those three i didn't i, I didn't watch it for any other reason um and and you know it was it, it it's weird isn't it because then suddenly the three that nobody went to see it for 40 years ago mm. uh i now i'm sure for a lot of people the reason to go and see it yeah exactly although interestingly only one out of the three and i apologize you know if this offends anybody but only one out of the three namely harrison ford really did 
anything different afterwards. I mean, Mark, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, I can't think of us. You probably can because you're bigger fans of them than I am. But but if you think of if you say to somebody, Carrie Fisher, immediately she's Princess Leia. If you say Luke Hamill, immediately he's Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think I think I think the thing with um, the thing with those two is that again, if you follow their careers, Mark Hamill. I said Luke Hamill. Sorry, Mark Hamill. Oh, it's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he gets called Luke Hamill all the time. All the time um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Mark. Mark Hamill went on to have a very famous uh, voice acting career. You know. Um, and Carrie Fisher um, rewrote silently rewrote a lot of '90s films. If you look into like her, what she did with her career post Star Wars, she um, she had a hand in doing a lot of writing. Um, like Sister Act is a good example. Mm. Um, she doesn't she doesn't get credit for it, but she she like came in, stepped in, and rewrote a lot of Sister Act so that um, so that it had that that charm, that funny vibe it had to it that Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg brings. Obviously, Whoopi Goldberg brings that naturally, but in terms from a, from an actual writing point of view, Carrie Fisher. Uh, came in uh, later in the day to sort it out because at the time it was like we we don't know we don't know what we're doing this film this film doesn't quite have the charm we need it to have so they brought her in and and she she is a silent writer you know so she doesn't get the credit for it but she does it anyway um she did that a lot so i think they're they're both known in their uh, their areas but um but you're right harrison ford is the one that really made a made a career out of it uh, as being the action hero of the 80s and mm-hmm. subsequent 90s um yeah. but can i tell you something really really strange and this this is this goes back to the childhood susie i was so absorbed by everything star wars you know i had the characters i had the you know the little action figures and i was a bit of a tomboy you know and and had all of all of the stuff that came with it and so was completely enthralled by the main three characters and everything that when he became um the action hero of the indiana jones franchise yeah i wouldn't watch them and never have i i've never watched any of them to this day (gasps) (laughs) that's interesting i've seen bits and bobs um but he is han solo and always will be han solo and and yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? That that just stuck with me. I just couldn't get my head around watching him in Indiana Jones. Never went to the cinema to see any of them. Haven't watched them when they've been on the television and seen bits and bobs, but never sat down and fully watched the whole film. So in that example, it's had the adverse effect. And do you know what? I'm willing to bet you're not alone there. Um, I mean, I personally don't like the Indiana Jones films, but that's because I have watched them and I just dislike them generally. <laughs> I think they're boring. And as I have previously established on other podcasts, I am not a fan of Steven Spielberg. Um, but I just think his films are a bit too ugh, weak, I guess yeah. is the only word I can use. But, well, that, but I d- a, Sorry to interrupt, but there might be an example of a director piggybacking off the off of um actors fame you know perhaps perhaps steven spielberg thought he'd found a little bit of a niche in his um directing and creating of films thinking right i'm going to get somebody famous and and obviously picking up harrison ford at the point that he did you couldn't have really got anybody more in the limelight at that stage and 
he's utilised it. I'd, I'd be interested to sit down for 10 minutes and just have a look and see whether he maybe has done that with all his films. He's just picked up a couple of actors that are really, you know, with within the in that moment, um, incredibly famous for something they've just done somewhere else and gone, I know, I'm going to write, in your words, a rubbish film, direct a rubbish film, yeah. and we're, we're going to bring in, you know, Joe Bloggs because he's he's on the on the front cover of, you know, all the magazines and all the all the newspapers, and we're gonna we're gonna have him and or her. Um, that could be, you know, another route that, that people maybe that might be why he's always insistent on using Tom Hanks. So, um, but yeah, no, I I, I suppose um, moving moving forward to slightly more modern day, you know. With, with things you know what are some you've already mentioned a few you know julia roberts um russell crowe I'm, I'm sure many people would disagree with us on that one but <laughs> i certainly find him i find him an appeal to watch um you know where are we what are some more screen idols of today obviously i said dwayne johnson again i think a lot of people would probably disagree with that comment um but but I, yeah. where where yeah who 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 is today who is you know what kind of actors do you consider that are still acting and it doesn't matter you know the point in their career they're at mm. what are some of the actors you consider to be current working screen idols I know I know for example one of yours would be Anthony Hopkins is that fair to yes. say yes yes and he would be you know somebody who's perhaps in the twilight of his acting career God love him um, but can still bring in audiences can still hold the screen um he was very good in Westworld I appreciate that's not cinema but you know he was very good in that Mm, um but he's he's an actor that is so versatile and I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how how actors create the persona on the screen and you can have somebody who is just them it's them and people go for them but then you've got other actors and I'd put Anthony Hopkins in this category where you don't really know what you're getting you know you're getting a good acting performance because he's a good actor but whether you see him on stage or whether you see him on television or at the cinema you know that whoever he's playing he will be 100% and he just he's he's a classic actor and i think that's why i like him you know it's not it's it's nothing to do with his looks no disrespect he is just an ordinary looking chap um he's he's got possibly um a little bit of a kind of a you know upper class element to him maybe people you know the the english aristocracy type of element to him but i think that's what's given him a lot of his his parts because he can play he can play shakespeare as well as he could play um an old man living next door i think right. it's his voice personally yeah well there you go, i think he's yeah. just got a very very suit i was watching an interview with him yesterday that was done must have been done 30 odd years ago and he was talking about the fact that one of the reasons he thinks he's done well in his career is potentially down to the fact that he's Welsh and uh, Welsh Welsh people are known for their acting um, which I has been lost on me apparently um, because I, I I only know really of him 
and Catherine Zeta-Jones. And I mean, <laughs> you, don't, you don't you don't put those two in the same sentence. That's sacrilege. That is. <laughs> well, do you know what though? They played father and daughter in in Zorro. Don't forget that. Well, yes, I know. And they, yeah. and they were both playing Spanish in the Spanish folk in that. You know, two two Welsh mm. people coming together in a film to play. You know, yeah. not that it's a bad film. It's a very very good film. But um, uh, yeah, no, I I know what you mean. Like you know, I sometimes do question. You know, Catherine Zeta Jones really, but um. Whatever. Um, I think I think I think that's a subject for another podcast. Uh, not, 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 not Catherine Zeta Jones, but you know, people that have perhaps become famous for other reasons, <laughs> not for their acting uh, ability. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. Um, so, so you know, a few other people uh, that you that you appreciate from a from an acting yeah. standpoint. Well, I've mentioned um, Sandra Bullock. Um, yeah. I also really like Reese Witherspoon. Um, and I laugh about that because she tends to unfortunately always play a kind of a, a blonde, uh, s- slightly out there character. Um, but I think that's what is quite appealing. Although she was in a series which I haven't seen with Nicole Kidman, um, which I understand is is excellent. On um, I think it was oh, that's the one where they work at work at um, the, the the Fox Network thing, where they the, the harassment thing. Is that what you're I talking think, about? I think so. Yeah, but she's yeah. she's. I mean, I, I like. I say quite like what she's in. Um, I do like Tom Hanks. I have to say that I you know quite like everything. Again, I was drawn to um, a film that he was in uh, not so long ago that I hadn't seen. Uh, advertised anywhere but it popped up on I think it was Apple television um, and it's come up now I think Sky have got it um, just trying to think what the name of it is I'm going to have a quick look I do apologize um, mm. come back to it Greyhound. Come no, back no, to no, it. no no I found oh, it it's you... Grey, Greyhound so oh, okay. um, yeah but I mean, again, he was Sully, and he was also, you know, sort of kind of obviously he's the voice of Woody, which is fantastic. My, yeah, I have to, I have to say, my 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 issue with Tom Hanks is not that he's a bad actor; he's not. He's far from it. He's an incredible actor, but he always plays Tom Hanks. He goes back to that point you made very early in the podcast, which is actors who literally are just known for playing themselves. And I'm afraid to say, I feel very much like that with Tom Hanks. He's always playing the biographical characters, or he's always playing a character where they want him in it because he's Tom Hanks and he's yeah. the nation's hero. Um, the only film that I, I I feel he doesn't live up to that in is Forrest Gump, you know, because mm-hmm. when I think of Forrest Gump, I don't think of Tom Hanks. I think of Forrest Gump, which is a testament to his acting in that film. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I do agree with that. I mean, and that's the thing about I I wonder if it, it is just, you know, I'm, I'm a victim of what I've said in a way in that it's because of Tom Hanks that I watch these films possibly. and possibly I mean, but that's okay that's okay yeah. if that is the case I mean I wouldn't have watched a beautiful day and found out about the character that he was portraying in a beautiful day if it hadn't have been Tom Hanks and like mm. you say he was he was playing a real life character so therefore he had to be like that person so he's either being himself or he's being um a, a real person and but one film, before I move on to somebody else, one film I would love to recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it is Larry Crown, because that's got Julia Roberts and Tom Hanks. And if you want a really nice feel-good film, 
I would recommend it. Um, it's I won't say any more than that, but it's it's one of those films that kind of starts off a bit sad but ends really happy. And if you want nice. to sit, sit down in an afternoon, you know, cup of tea or glass of wine, depending on your lifestyle, um, <laughs> um, it's a good film to watch. That's Larry Crown, but yeah, um, nice. but yeah, I suppose other, other Tom Cruise has got to get a mention. Um, you know, I I like Tom Cruise because. He's just Tom Cruise, really. You know, he's yeah. he's good. He's good at what he does. He throws himself into his career. He's, I, I mean, contrary to popular belief, I I do genuinely think he's a good guy. Um, he's he's very appreciative of the position that he's been given, which I think is always important for anybody in the limelight whether you're um you know i'll use the word celebrity but very loosely that if you are looked upon as an idol by the general public for whatever it is you've done or doing you should always be appreciative of that position and i do think that tom cruise genuinely is um and makes certain that everything that he puts out there for his audience to watch is of a good quality and again it, it may not be to everybody's taste you know um i'm not a massive fan of the um later uh mission impossibles um or no sorry not the really late ones but the midway ones you know that's a franchise that's going to go on and on um quite liked the very first one and then they dipped and then I've got oh, better I see, again. I'm the other way around. I'm the other oh. way around. I think, I think, I think, I think the first one to this day, just, it just grates on me because I just didn't feel like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I didn't like mm. it. And the second one I felt picked up a little bit because it had that very nineties vibe to it of lots of repetitive slow motion shots and a little bit of, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of, it was tied in with the millennium quite nicely had a bit of a bond feel to it and then they took a gap and then the third one came along and i thought the third one was very good then the fourth one was better the fifth one was just incredible in my opinion mm. and then and then and then you think they can't make it any better and then the sixth one comes along and you go well, some somehow they did so for yeah. me the mission impossible franchise has actually been one that's got better with every film but again i know a lot of people would disagree with me over that but yeah. that's just how i feel but yeah um, but yeah I, I think they've they've they're doing really good they for that are, franchise. Doing, yeah. And and the the other film that sort of kind of came out of nowhere was the Jack Reacher films, and you sort of kind yes. of you know again a little a little bit similar, but not not the same. It's not like he was being the same character. Um, and then you get films like Oblivion and Edge of Tomorrow, where again you know you could say oh he's just playing Tom Cruise in a different environment, and I suppose there is a point there is a certain element of that but he he again he's a good actor he's a good actor yeah. he throws himself into his films he's very believable and I think as somebody who like yourself likes to watch a good film that's all you can expect you know that's what yeah. you want from these you know multi-million dollar <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. You know, I agree. Um, that they should when you get a poor performance from from someone that you admire you feel very let down and I think some people take it quite personally because you you do invest quite a lot you know you invest money you invest time um into these people and the least they can do is give you a decent film so when they come along and give you a rubbish film 
you just like you feel very let down <laughs> yeah no I, I would have to agree with you there uh, yeah no yeah, nice so, okay so, so yeah, yeah um, but good, I think, um yeah sorry I was it's just a couple of other mentions very quickly um I suppose you've got to think about sort of still Tom's it must be the name Tom but like Tom Hardy um a good current actor obviously British does a little bit here and there I find him slightly scary I'll be honest huh. um I've always sort of kind of watched him with half an eye if that makes sense because i just feel like he's just jump, jump out the screen at any time but again you, testament to his acting though exactly, isn't it exactly exactly you saying about um al pacino playing the devil after i saw that film for the first time because i'm amazed you've never seen it because i've probably seen <laughs> it three or four times but um after seeing that film for the first time i thought if i ever meet the devil i know he's going to look like al pacino because he was so believing in oh god film. it was he was yeah I've, I've you've seen many actors play the devil over over years and years and for me i think the reason it jumped out at me so much was because it was it felt so fresh for yeah. a film that came out so long ago now it felt so very fresh and and yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you there. Yeah, and I, so. think, and I think I can sort of say the same for um, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. You know, especially when he played the craze. Um, you know, you you genuinely thought, I don't want to meet these people, and that he's he's just sort of just even when he's being quite nice in a in a part, you do <laughs> you do actually sort of still feel a slightly wary of him. My my introduction to him was the take. Um, oh, back uh, yes, I watched that. Yeah. That was great. He was, he was nasty in that, though. He was. And, and that's that just done it for me. And I was just like, nope, I don't, I really don't like this person. And anytime he's in any film, I have to have a kind of a little kind of warning that I'm going to be sitting there half looking at him and there'll be women out there going oh my god how can you possibly say that about <laughs> no, no, no. yeah because there's <laughs> two, very, two different perspectives interesting you talk about your first introduction to him my first introduction to him which um I, when i tell people this they go no uh he was in uh the last um patrick stewart star trek film um so so yeah so obviously the next generation ended the tv series and then they did four films afterwards and the last film that they all did as as the next generation cast was called nemesis and tom hardy played a cloned version of patrick stewart in the film and it was one of his earliest bits of work uh from a film point of view and yeah it was it was it was good and i remember watching nemesis when it came out um, so that was 2002. So I'd have been 11. So my first introduction to Tom Hardy was when I was about 11 years old. And I always remember he creeped me out so much because he played the role so well. Um, I'm not a massive Star Trek fan, but I did in particular like the ones with Patrick Stewart. Um, and I remember looking at him thinking, God, you, uh, you're, you're quite scary. And then he popped up in a few other things and then he was in Bronson and, and, and various other things. And suddenly, mm. you know, he started becoming a household name, but I'll always, he'll always be that, that, that uh, creepy clone of Patrick Stewart from Star Trek Nemesis to me. So, it's um, funny, isn't it? yeah, it's I funny mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the strange thing is, is that since seeing him in the take, I've since I've since watched him in other things that he did before that. So he was in like Wuthering Heights, and where he played Heathcliff, which is a fantastic character. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, no, Heathcliff is a fantastic, literal character, but obviously he's a bit of a baddie. Um, you've got, he was Bill Sykes in Oliver Twist. 
Um, and you just go and you just think, oh, and you mentioned Bronson and you're just thinking, my goodness, you know. But yeah, I mean, th- there is um, a modern day character actor for you, I feel. Um, falls into the Anthony, into the club of Anthony Hopkins, I think. I think another actor who deserves a notable mention on the on the part of um, on the same length of things as Tom Hardy is Henry Cavill. Um, oh, you yeah. know, I, I remember Henry Cavill from from well, two things I remember him from. But the, the, the first one was Count of Monte Cristo. Um, he played. He obviously played um, uh, um, Montez's. Um, Son, it turned out in the end. Spoiler, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, he was he was in that, and he was quite good in that. But he was young in that, you know, and then he it popped was. up in the and then he popped up in the Tudors, uh, and and you know, he was fantastic in that. And I remember thinking when I saw him in the Tudors, you are going to go on to good things, mm-hmm. and he did not disappoint. <laughs> so no, and it's he's, an interesting. He's, he, Sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting to see the path between his and the guy who actually played Henry VIII. Um, who's... Oh, Jonathan Rhys-Myers. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was double barrel now. I mean, Jonathan Rhys-Myers, bless him, went down a completely different route. Well, that was his own, his own bloody fault, you know. But yeah, you're right. You know, he uh, he he did, unfortunately. I and mean, I think he's had a few good things pop up here and there, but he's nothing in comparison to. To, um, to Henry Cavill. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes it's the co-stars that go on to really take the the, the nation's heart, you know. And, and Henry Cavill, he'll be, you know, he'll be doing things for years. He's he's got a fun to yeah. you know, he's already he's already got a good career and he's got nothing but a bigger career ahead of him, you know. So Is he, he does bond? Uh no, but I wish he was. He was mm. he actually got considered when Daniel Craig took over the role. He was like second second runner up to or first runner up, sorry, to to, to Daniel Craig so I yeah. think I think that ship may have sailed now but he even said recently that he would still love to like he said if 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 I got offered it I'd make sure that I could do it um He's, and, yeah, I, I think I think he encompasses everything that in my mind is James Bond well have you seen the have you seen the uh, Guy Ritchie take on the man from uncle yes then yes. that's James. That, there you go. Yeah, that, apart that from the too. fact, apart yeah. from the fact that he's got an American accent in the film, remove that and give him his native British accent, and he's James Bond in that film. Yeah, hundred percent. The only the only thing with that is that I just kept seeing Robert Vaughn um, because I'm a big uh, fan, big big fan of Robert Vaughn. Bless yeah, him. Um, yeah. And you know, I I having seen the series um, and also being a fan of David McCullum as well. Um, the man from Uncle is that's that's where that stays in my yeah, my memory. Yeah. So so although it was a really nice film to see, I, I just like no, it wasn't. You know. Yeah, no, I get okay. that. I get that. <laughs> um, on on that note, though, I, I one person who I want to give a mention because we'll wrap up soon. But one person who I want to give a mention to, uh, based on just reminded me is Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Lovely Hugh Grant. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Grant obviously spent his nineties playing Hugh Grant in every uh, rom com that he got offered. However, uh, and, and you know, for the record, I think he's a wonderful actor to watch. He's he's always whenever he's on screen, I just find him pleasant to watch, and I can't yeah. say that about many actors. So that's always something nice to say about him. But recently, he has just, in I'd say, in the past five years, he's gone down a very different road with his career. 
in, in the sense of the kind of characters he plays. And although he still plays that kind of bumbling, charming uh, British gent, he's explored the slightly darker elements to that. And I really love that. And he's really shown what he's made of now more than ever. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but the, the current show that he's in with Nicole Kidman um, called The Undoing, it's mm. it's incredible. And, and you know what? Not just because of him, Nicole Kidman. I'm a big fan of Nicole Kidman. And I never used to be, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of you know, really appreciate, like, I think I think Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett, um, Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts, the, for me, they're, they're the, you know, the... The, the the female beating heart of Hollywood, um, and also oh, can't yeah. can't can't forget to mention Meryl Streep and Helen Mirren. Of course, um, there there you know that's that that's for me that's female Hollywood right there because um, I am conscious that we have spoken a lot about male actors, um, but you know the the the, the 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 ladies know what they're doing just as much when it comes to the acting side oh, of things. I, yeah, I, I just think that sometimes though you know not not wanting to get too political here i think there is still a divide in the choice oh, yeah. i think there um there are probably just as many uh female actresses or actors whatever you're supposed to call them these days female actors female <laughs> actors there you go get it right susie um female actors as there are male actors however if you was to create a pool of i don't mean swimming pool um you know a pool of actors and split them in gender you would have more to choose from on the male side than you would the female side and I think I think that is really sad and I and yes you've got some you've mentioned some amazing actresses I'm still going to call them actresses I'm sorry they're actresses it's fine it's, um, it's, it's not it's not it's not a taboo term it's just <laughs> you know, you'll have the PC brigade on on you if you say it too I, much I so. know. okay well female actors I just think that they're still that divide there and um if you again if you're going to look for a certain actor a female actor who's a certain age a certain look you're usually going to know you're going to know there's probably two or three four at a push that are going to get chosen and you know and it's happening with the younger ones as well you know if you've got Amelia Clark you've got Lily Collins you've got um I've forgotten the name the young lady that was in Downton Abbey I should really know that Lily James Lily James thank you um you know again they're popping up every everywhere because they just seem to be the ones that everyone's choosing and there are probably an abundance twenty early 30 something the female actors out there that that are just as good if not better and and you just we're going down that same old route again which I think is quite sad um and again, not to not to make it too political, but there is still the whole you know pay gap issue. You know they need to they need to crack on with that. Perhaps you know they. You're right. There seems to be massive diversity when it comes to male actors. Um, I was reading a story not too long ago. Um, I've got to make sure I get 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 it right, but I believe it was Chadwick Boseman and Shalise Theron. Um, again, apologies if I'm wrong. Um, they were in a film. I think it was called The Something Guard. Might have been the old guard. I can't remember. Anyway, point is, is that they were in this film. Um, was it the old guard? Am I thinking of the wrong? I think I feel like I'm thinking of the wrong thing now altogether. Anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. Uh, the point is, is that. Chadwick Boseman was in a film with someone and I don't remember who that someone was. Uh, and, um, they, 
long story short, they he he found out that the woman who his his female co-star was not getting paid as much as him. So he sacri- he took the difference from what he was being paid, you know, and and used it to p- make sure that she was paid equally. But the fact that it took an actor doing that, I mean, fair play to him, bless him, he was a gent. But uh, the fact that it took um, took him doing that, I thought was absolutely awful. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and a lovely soul taken away far too soon. Oh, don't. Very sad. Very, very sad. Yeah. He was. He was. He was. He was definitely one of the. I think one of the best things to happen to uh, the acting industry in a long time. Yeah. In a long time, you know, and it's very, very, very sad. Um, but yeah. you know, his legend will live on. Yes, uh, definitely. Definitely. So, um, but yeah, I think um, we were talking I, about uh, Hugh Grant. <laughs> Hugh Grant. Yeah, you're Hugh Grant. <laughs> But um, no, uh, one, one more mention, and it's only because I've not somehow gone this entire podcast and not mentioned his name, and I would, be, I, I know people will question if I don't mention him, is uh, Robin Williams. Um, you know, we uh, anyone who knows me knows that he is my my idol, my my everything. The reason that I got into um, acting and and you know wanting a films full stop i guess is is robin williams um and you know when we talk about screen idols if i don't think of audrey hepburn first or sean connery i'll think of robin williams yeah. so um i just just would have been important for, I, I would have kicked myself if i hadn't mentioned him oh no you, um, you you got to have mentioned him i think i think he's a nice nice person to end on because i would also rank him as one of my favourites but for slightly different reason because my introduction going back to my childhood again um, was with Morecambe Mindy. Yes of course. And although I know he'd done stand-up and he'd been on a few American sort of comedic shows prior to Morecambe Mindy um, he was discovered through Happy Days um, and he was given his own show and I think that was it there was no stopping him. And, um, yeah, again, he's an actor that I will watch. If there's a film coming on with him on, even if I've seen it before, I'll watch it because yeah, because same. he's in it. I mean, you know, it, it goes without saying the, the, the Mrs. Doubtfire and, and obviously oh. Good Morning Vietnam and all of those. But there's, there's some, like, really kind of, un, I don't know. Underrated. Um, yes, un, underrated and forgotten films that I thought he was really good in. And one of those was The Butler. Ah, um, yes, uh, the Dwight, the Forest Whitaker film. Yes, he was Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yeah, and he no, was that that, that film had so many because Alan Rickman was in that as well. Yeah. He played one of the presidents. He played um, was it Reagan? He anyway he played one of the um, he played one of the presidents in that as well. That film was just full of good actors who didn't have massive roles but played memorable parts. Exactly. And yeah, I agree. Robin Williams and for me Alan Rickman were the two standout parts. And of course, how have we not mentioned Alan Rickman? Oh. Uh, I was watching um I was meant to tell you about this actually. I was I was watching as you know, uh Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves the other day. Mm, mm. But it was um it turns out that in 2013 they released a completely different cut of the film. Uh, that has like 15 to 20 minutes worth of new footage added in, um, all of which was pretty much Alan Rickman. <laughs> um, oh. 
because it turns out that when the when they were making the film, because they gave Alan Rickman carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with the role, he um, he, he he created on his own the, the 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 role that we know and love today. But it ended up starting to overshadow Kevin Costner, and Kevin Costner apparently got his knickers in a twist over it. So they cut mm. a load of Alan Rickman out of it. And that, you know what? That doesn't surprise me because I'm sorry. And not that he ever would be listening, but if he is listening, I don't care, Kevin Costner. You strike me as a little bit of a uh, toys out of the pram actor in the nineties, um, yeah. and uh, you know. And anyway, as a result, um, yeah, uh, a lot of his stuff got cut, and now they've added it back in. So I will lend you this particular version of the film because yeah. he really steals the, he steals the show all over again, and I love that. But I have to say, I think Prince of Thieves is Alan Rickman's greatest performance I've ever seen him do. Yeah, I, I, he's, I yeah. love it. I love to love it the way, and you can tell that he's ad libbing a lot of it because oh, he ad libbed most of it. Yeah, yeah, because he just like you say, he outshines the other actors that are you know being led by the script, and uh, you know, fair enough, that's what most actors do. They are led by scripts, but I think it shows a true talent when you've got somebody who actually can take the character live the character and and add their own um persona to that character I agree. and i think that's what he did in that definitely i look forward to seeing that yeah oh yeah it, honestly he yeah man man will always be a genius um i don't know if you saw they're releasing a um he, he kept diaries over the 25 years and they're releasing it into a book next year oh. or the year after at some point though yeah I wonder, so basically... I wonder if he'll mention the time he was standing in Aundel and there was... <laughs> and, uh, as a woman staring at him from the other side of a coffee shop window <laughs> <laughs> I'll always be jealous always be jealous of you for that um, i know but but uh, yeah it's, it's one of the, one of those moments that you just kind of think my goodness you know there's there's alan rickman, <laughs> alan rickman. <laughs> yes you know i'm just looking yeah. out the window at him but um yeah yeah, yeah. no so. wonderful wonderful actor and yeah, as i say though prince of thieves just for me if i was ever going to play a villain role in a film i'd want to play it just like that um because it just that's how that's how you do it that yeah. is how you do it yeah. but yes so um yeah I, I mean look we could probably sit here all day talking about so many other actors and there are going to be people listening to this going well why didn't you mention that actor yeah, and why didn't you I mention apologize. that actor i apologize yeah. to those people <laughs> we've tried we've tried to cover nearly a hundred years worth of actors in in just over an hour so you know <laughs> we'll get over it um yeah. but uh but yeah, I think um, ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably revisit this subject one day. Um, quick one before we finish. Uh, st- star of the future. Who do you think? Someone who you think um, is going to be, you know, people are going to be talking about him the way or her the way we're talking about the likes mm. of Henry Cavill and Tom Hardy uh, in 20 years time. Well, I've already mentioned her name um, because oh, I do actually... Yeah. I- yeah, I do. I know actually, you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually think that she's a very talented actress, um, and that's Amelia Clark. Oh, um, that's not who I thought you were going to ah, say. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say Lily James. No, um, no, I like Lily James very much, but Lily James, unfortunately, is already becoming uh, Lady Rose from Downton. Now that could just be my perception because I know her as Lady Rose from Downton, and as you know, I am the biggest Downton fan. Um, but I even though I couldn't remember her name, which is disgusting <laughs> of me. Um, but I just think she's always that flighty <laughs> she'll always be that flighty individual. Yeah, from, I get from what Downton. you mean. But Amelia Clark, I mean she 
again, Game of Thrones was the introduction for me. You know, when I first saw her, I thought she was amazing in that. And the, the things that she's gone on to do, you would never put her in that mm. Khaleesi role. And have I you think, seen um, Have you seen that last Christmas film? Yes. Yes. Uh, is, it, is it good? Very good. Worth watching. Okay. And, and that, again, is an example of where you think, my goodness, is this the same actress? Yeah. You know, yeah, is this yeah, the same that. person? So I think from a female, I'll stick. <laughs> you give you give the female actually. I'll give the female. Let's be predictable. Um, I do have a couple of, of young chaps in mind. I'll let you decide on it. Well, I'm only going to say one. I'm only going to say one, and I think he's got a sterling future ahead of him, and that's Tom Holland. Yeah, I think I think there are a few. Don't get me wrong. That I probably will think of after this podcast and go, oh shit, I should have said them. But no, Tom Holland always comes to my mind first. He is a star of the future, hands down. He already is a star, but he's still got a big career ahead of him. Um, he he is a star of the future, hands down. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's this, you know. Age probably is just a number, but I think there's also some other actors that maybe have come to the forefront, not as young as as perhaps Tom Holland, but you've got Tom Higgleston. Lots of Toms going on in this podcast, isn't there? Um, but, but, it seems yeah. like Cr- Chris's and Tom's seem yes. to uh, rule the world. And, they, and if you're called Tom and you're called Chris, you're going to end up in a Marvel film as well. So, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but, well, a, a, a classic example of that we've already mentioned him once, but Samuel L. Jackson didn't start his career until later on. Mm, you know, yeah. um, there are, Harrison Ford, I think, as well. You know, there are many actors who didn't get their big breaks until their 30s and Anthony 40s. Hopkins. And yeah, you know, we're, we're still, there are probably loads we've not touched on that, that, that had that exact thing. And I love that because it gives us all hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, ultimately it's, um, it, it, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, you never know. You never know who yeah. the next big star is. Um, no. There are some actors who didn't become well-known until they were in their 50s 60s you know oh. and 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 again that's that's really cool um yeah but yeah i mean no, you've, I you've think... got you've got dakota fanning as well haven't you and her sister if you're going to go across the pond there are a couple of sort of actresses that uh, yeah all right possibly you know not the best actresses um but i still think that there'll be there'll be they'll be popping up in films as they get older i think i think the the thing to see is to look back at some of the actors and actresses that we have now that we can look at when they were young and go, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. didn't weren't they young in that film? And we've mentioned, we're not going to mention them all again, but we've mentioned most of them already. And there are a younger um, actors now who in 20 years' time will look back now and say, oh, weren't they young when they were in that? Well, a good example of that is Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, he's probably in my eyes the best example of that, that what you've just said. He started off, I mean, the earliest film I think I've known him to be in, it might be even be his first film is What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm. Um, you know, that was a great film. I think, wasn't he in that with Johnny Depp? Um, again, another actor who we haven't touched Ooh, upon, Johnny Depp, you know, how no, who but... deserves all the mentioning in the world. But, you know, it's, it's what I mean. We could be here all day. But, yeah, Leo DiCaprio, you know, and then Titanic and um, uh, Beaches and all of that. And now, yeah. and now look at him, you know, he's 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 he's, he's doing so well. Um, and he's always Chris, done well. But the point... Christian Bale. Sorry to interrupt. Ah, yeah, There's Christian another, Bale. I mean... 
Empire was, of Sun, oh, right through to Batman. American American Psycho, right through to yeah. Batman. So yeah. he's um, very yeah. Christian Bale's a very talented man, very talented yeah. man. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, yeah, where where do you draw the line? Where, um, yeah. I think I think I think what you need to do is you need to do perhaps podcasts on just a handful of people and and stick yeah. to that because otherwise yeah, like beer, all day. beer all day, beer all day. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, 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 just because I feel guilty now. Favorite Johnny Depp film? Oh, I think that's yeah, that's really hard. Actually, give me a moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I immediately I've, and this is so cliched. I think of Johnny Depp and I think of Jack Sparrow. Of course, because I, as you know, as you probably remember, how many times I watched it, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. And again, for me, it's a franchise that kind of lost its spark as it went on. Um, but, I'm sure pretty much everyone in the world would agree yeah, with you on that. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose because I'm a fan of the film, but I'm also a fan of the story, and I'm also a fan of a couple of the other actors that are in this film, is Chocolat. Oh, of course, Chocolat. I, ju- I just I, I absolutely adore that Which film. also makes me think of Judy Dench, who, uh, we, Judy, who deserves Dench. A, Judy Dench okay. deserves a mention as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, my, my choice of film with, um, with Johnny Depp is one that most people would probably disagree with me over, but it always stands out to me. I don't know what it is he did in this film that I thought was so unique. It might just be because I like the style of the film. But I really liked Public Enemies. Um, 2009 oh. film uh, where he played John Dillinger yeah. um, and I thought he did a really good job and guess who he was in the film with? Christian Bale mm. um, you know and I thought Christian Bale and him in that film were really good um, so yeah I uh, I yeah again could be here all day but I, I, I always recommend Public Enemies to people um, yeah so um, and I think I think just, just on on you know talking about Donnie Depp I think he belongs in the Anthony Hopkins club as well of um, good character actors. Um, and, you know, people may disagree because a lot of people have said, oh, you know, he is just playing himself. But when you when you look at all of his films and all of his um, – and obviously he does some work on for TV as well, I know, you know, obviously the one that he's just left. But he has he, – he, he is not the same person. He has an element of – himself and maybe characters that he's played previously but is that our is that our interpretation of him or is that him well and that is the question we shall leave today's podcast on okay <laughs> lovely I know. Uh, right. Well, look, I, I, I'll, I'd love to have you back in the future to discuss uh, either a continuation of this particular topic or a whole new topic. I don't know. Perhaps we'll, perhaps we'll, I'll create a list, like do what you said, create a list of uh, female and male actors and uh, we'll just go through and discuss favourite roles, you know, career highlights, that kind of thing. Um, but we'll only stick to those strict actors. But um, anyway, um, Susie slash mother, thank you for... Uh, <laughs> joining me today on the podcast um and uh yeah um thank you thank you again and thank you for uh, having me no anytime and thank you to our listeners this has been uh, a slightly longer than it seems that every week our podcasts are getting a little bit longer but if you're still listening then i'm not going to apologize um so yes this has been nobody puts podcast in a corner nobody puts podcast in a corner 
And we will be back next week with our soundtrack episode. So stay safe and see you soon.